welcome to the Vagabond Way podcast. The journey goes ever on with The Long Road. This episode, a fantasy dinner party featuring Richard III's horse. The Long Road takes a step back from the usual hard-hitting, gritty, real-life journalism that normally graces the airwaves to take up the age-old challenge, the ultimate fantasy dinner party guest list. Find out exactly who would be gracing our table at a Long Road soiree. Steve Bonham talks new songs and old songs, Kev Moore takes on the next steps of his Camino Trail, and I talk bread that didn't work. The Vagabond Way podcast featuring The Long Road is exploring the world of the troubadour, the adventurer of the vagabond. The world isn't beige, it isn't processed, it's authentic, it's rich and it's real. And if those are the sorts of sentiments that make your brain light up, then hop on board. We're embracing all of those things, we're celebrating all of that, and we'd love it if you join us on the journey. Greetings, I am Chris the Bish Leiden. Thanks for joining us for a silly episode. It's hit and miss with us sometimes, isn't it? Uh, sometimes it's silly, sometimes it's serious. Uh, before the uh, hashtag content for this week, we have a new music video out. Following Hot on the Heels of Washed Away from a few weeks ago, we now have our music video for Something's Gotta Change. Uh, it's out there now, filmed at Woodworm Studios whilst we were recording the track itself. Kat Hodkinson and Gemma Caldwell have done a brilliant job putting this video together, so go check it out. It's on YouTube or on the website, thelongroadband.net. Just search for Something's Gotta Change. Uh, also, don't forget to check out our documentary as well, The Rise of the Artisan or The Long road to now it's all out there on the website and on youtube anyway on to today's content Greetings, the long roads are together again for another of our online digital chats via Zoom, the power of the, the internet these days. We've got Kev, who's at home in Spain. Hello, Kev, how are you? Totsins, Bish. Totsins? Totsins, <laughs> yeah. Totsins, interesting. Mm, I've got to work out what language that made. Totsins. Yeah, I think it's um, Cienz, Totsins. Um, uh, I'll have to pass on that one. What language is that? Uh, I believe it's a Belgian of sorts, and they it's either, ah. it's either hello or goodbye, it's some kind of salutation, anyway. Some sort of salutation, yeah. yeah. Uh, great. Todd Sienz. Yeah. Um, and we've got Steve, who's at home in Derbyshire. Steve, hello, how are you? Hey up me duck. Hey up me duck. Now we all know what that language is. Yeah. The, the duck bit does confuse some people. It does. And it just it just seems so natural to us from Derbyshire. that You have the duck in Derbyshire, a bit in Nottinghamshire. Of course, you have hen, which is, is that Glaswegian? Hen? Glasgow, yeah. Glasgow, yeah. Uh, and then hinny, you know, which That's is... Geordie. Geordie, and then you have penguin, right? Yeah, which is the Isle of Wight, which is a biscuit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes, delicious biscuit. Yes. Um, the, 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 the Isle of Wight, really? Yeah, apparently. Yeah, they call each other. Hello, penguin. I, I can't really tell if you're being serious or not, right? Now. I, I'm pretty sure. He, I'm pretty sure he's not. <laughs> yeah, they say hello, penguin, and dance around the statue of Burgess <laughs> Meredith. Anyway, let's let's move on. Let's go <laughs> on to the prescribed nonsense for today's show, rather than the ad, ad-, ad- lib nonsense, nonsense. That we're currently <laughs> troubling ourselves with. So, the prescribed nonsense for today's show is: we're going to do our the long road fantasy dinner party guests. We're, we can each invite one or two or three or however many we like famous people to our dinner party that we're hosting. 
the only rule being essentially is that that person must be dead um, yeah. and yeah. we're going to reanimate them and bring them are we allowed to kill them in order to invite them to the party or, <laughs> or not i think i think for this round we're going to say you, they have to be dead for a long time okay. they can't or they can't be somebody that we make dead <laughs> my my first guest most definitely has been dead for, for quite a long time now and i would invite peter Eustin off yeah, that's a good one. He was an incredible mind, incredible raconteur, incredible lineage, actually. Um, I think traced back to Russia, if I'm not mistaken. And I just think he'd be the most incredible company. Uh, kind I, of the Stephen Fry of his day. Yes, yeah, yeah, indeed. And I mean, his, yeah. um, his autobiography, Dear Me, is a must read. If anybody's out there that fancies a good read. Um, I'm trying to think what what do I I mean I I mean I know Peter Ustinov but what 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 was he most famous for? He's an an actor and he was an actor and a writer, and... filmmaker, raconteur. He uh, he, he famously Opera director, yeah, Opera director, ob, yeah. yeah, famously played Poirot, and right. he was pretty good at it. But I, I I've always I would always have to go with David Suchet for Poirot, I'm afraid. But um, yeah, yeah. But he was you know he, he played him in several movies, Death on the Nile yeah. being one. But he was he was just incredibly witty and, and well-read, you know, fantastic. He sounds like the sort of person that was probably on Just a Minute or something, and I've probably heard old archive episodes. Yeah, all that minute, stuff. Like that. Yeah, he, he, and would, he, just, would, would be able to have been talked for a minute on a topic yeah. so eloquently and flawlessly. Absolutely flawlessly, yeah. yeah, yeah. It, it, would be, um, yeah. it would be just a minute gold, in fact, yes. Steve, who would one of your guests be? Well, it's a challenge, isn't it? You know, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, Richard the Third's horse would be. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> why? Why? Where did you go right at the wrong bleeding moment? There you are. <laughs> I mean, the whole course of history would be different if he hadn't made a bolt for it. <laughs> I mean,. You've got to explain, haven't you? Yeah. Why? Just had a flash Why? of the Why? long road life, the the long road universe where <laughs> things like this, where there's a horse sat across the table from Peter Ustinov, while he <laughs> while he gently interrogates it as to where it had yes. got to during the battle. Demands to know how he let this happen to our royal lineage. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> No, um, seriously. Uh, well, no, it would, be, it would be a fascinating one. On a serious level, Elizabeth the First would be interesting. Elizabeth the First, okay. Yes. Elizabeth the First, she is a remarkable woman. I mean, she spoke 13 languages, apparently. Really? Yeah. I mean, she was uh, I mean, she was a remarkable, remarkable lady in all sorts of ways, actually. What would you ask Queen Elizabeth the First <laughs> if she was at a dinner party? What would be your overriding question? Uh, what do you think of your dad? <laughs> yeah, tell us about your dad. Tell us about your dad, yeah. Like, yeah. No, no yeah. children say, hey, your dad is a bit of work, isn't yeah. he? Yeah. <laughs> He's a piece yeah. of work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what about your sister? Bloody hell. Yeah. <laughs> what a family. <laughs> what a fa yeah, exactly. It's sort of the, the East Enders well, they, family. They'd be on Jerry's finger, wouldn't they? It? It's all nonsense. Yeah. I mean, let's not forget that it, the whole... Notion of monarchy is nonsense. Indeed. Uh, there is something about the whole royal idea which is a bit odd. Well, yeah. it's it's yeah. now yeah, it's basically now a giant advert for what's wrong with inequality, you know. It's like... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Christopher, you, you need to ask, tell us who would be uh, your... Because my immediate 
thought was some sort of musician because that's just yeah well, thing. <laughs> roughly and, and, what we're supposed to be talking about yeah. <laughs> well well i think i think richard iii's horse has sort of raised the bar a little bit <laughs> uh, and i i feel like I, I can offer some more suggestions in that vein no, um, no my my very initial thought was if i i've got a few ideas in my head but the, my initial thought would be a musician who was who lived for a lot longer than people did back then right. and saw and saw the, a change in the world that very few people would have been fortunate enough to see. Um, and this is Haydn, Franz oh, Josef Haydn. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, the father of classical music, really. But Haydn was this guy who absolutely, he was part of and saw the transformation of classical music from the basic, not basic in a, in a diminutive way, but just the, the sort of fundamentals, how you got started, that Bach le left behind. And then Haydn inherited this sort of weird, clunky gift of everything. And he said, "Right, yes, I'll absorb all of that, and I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you the next steps, thanks." And in the course of that, he, you know, worked with Mozart and Beethoven and all these other huge, huge names. Inspired them. He was around during this incredible time of change in music and in, you know, in Europe in general. You know, the Europe changed a huge amount in those in those in that hundred years. He was alive for something like 70 years. I can't remember his exact dates. That's immense in, in those days, isn't it? That's immense. To live, yeah. to, live to 70 in 1700, in 1700s was just crazy. Mm. Um, but one of, my, one of his peaking achievements for me was when he told his boss, of his long-standing boss, basically to get stuffed because the boss was this sort of petulant man who'd taken the whole court off to um, his summer, land, summer house in the countryside and they were out there for months and months and months and months, and he refused to say when they were going to be going back home, when people could go back to their families. So Haydn wow. wrote possibly one of his most famous pieces of music, which is called the Farewell Symphony, where he was basically giving his boss the message that we should pack up and go home now. Anybody, and and the, I don't know if you know about it, but the idea is that it's written into the score that the musicians snuff out their candles and leave the stage gradually over the course of the last movement. Oh, I like that. Where by the time you get to the last few minutes of the piece there's just two musicians left on stage playing because all the rest of the orchestra have gone have gone home and the um i played a few I clubs where we tried to do that i've started dismantling <laughs> yes. gear before the end of the set yeah. <laughs> i think yes trying to get some pack down done early yeah um but i just but you know just the 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 balls because you know back then people were big into things like executing people yes. for, for saying the wrong thing yeah uh, and and hyde and had the the sort of almost political foresight but okay, okay i have some influence here i'm a i'm a respected man about court i can make a make make some change so he made he made changes for the betterment of, of not just himself for everybody so i'd it'd be fascinated to hear what his life what he from his point of view what life would be like indeed that's my big contribution to our dinner party would be a the grand the grandfather of classical music haydn excellent that's very good some other nonsense ideas just because it's a, a you know um a big a, sort of influence and would be a fascinating person to have a conversation with. Terry Pratchett is probably my favourite. Oh, yeah. Right. yeah. You know, and his, his view of the world and being able to put, put a view of the world into his fiction books is just second to none. His yeah. book about um, the birth of newspapers in his world, in his disc world, uh, which is called The Truth, and it's about how a newspaper accidentally is born. Uh, and it's just so cutting about how modern media is... It's a beast that just needs feeding, and it's hungry for its own nonsense. Yeah, uh, it's just a brilliant, no, uh, good brilliant. writer. Good writer. I've tried to stay clear of musicians. Really, I, I would Salvador Dali would be a tremendous guest. I'd love to mm. see how his mind worked. 
but mu- musician-wise, I would probably go with the likes of Tommy Bowling and and uh, just sort of to ask why why he was on such a self-destructive um, sort of path, and, and and when he was just coming into his prime as a guitarist with Deep Purple and. What what he you know what he might have created in later years. Sadly, there there are many of those. So, what, what does our lineup look like so far? So, we've got Peter Ustinov, we've got Richard III's horse. Yes, we've got Hayden. Elizabeth the First. Yes, Haydn, Haydn, Salvador Dali, and Salvador Dali, Terry Pratchett. That's quite a that's quite a mix, isn't it? Quite a mix. <laughs> yes. Steve, I feel like you've got somebody else bubbling away in your well, brain. Well, you now. know, I was realising that it was quite male dominated. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and, and so it's interesting. I suppose you could say, yeah. yeah. When you talk about uh, Peter Ustinov, another is Helen Mirren, who had, you know, a, a similar Russian ancestry, I believe. Yes, indeed. Uh, indeed, she did. Which would yeah. be interesting. I think, very controversially, for you brace yourself, Kev. Go on. Brace yourself. Uh, Taylor Swift. Very yes. But I find it's a very interesting. Lady, I, I know music. I've got a is lot of time for cleverer than I thought. Uh, she's a very principled, very strong person. So totally I, agree. I wouldn't. I would probably sit her alongside somebody like Ustinov, not near the horse. Um, yes. Yeah, I think that wouldn't be pleasant for her. But she's a very interesting lady. Yeah. Unfortunately, we can't have her because she's not dead. Thank you. We'd have to break our rule. That's We'd have true. to murder her That's to true. allow her to come to this. I mean, we can have another dinner party later on where we, live we can have live people. We can have a live people, but this first one, this was this was just. Who's the? So I don't. It would be really. Tay Tay can't come. Who was the jazz singer, black jazz singer, who went to Paris uh, in the twenties and thirties? What story she would have? Here we go again. If you say Pete Seeger. <laughs> well, so that belongs to last week. Uh, uh, it's, so it's not Billie Holiday, then, is it? She didn't go to Paris, no. did she? Um, in the twenties, in the twenties and thirties, yeah, she was a a real character, uh, American female jazz singer who went. Josephine Baker. That's Josephine the one. Josephine Baker, yeah, yeah, there she would yep. be fascinating. To, to be honest, I, I mean, in a similar vein to Kev, Kev would welcome any. Guitarist from a you know a rock band from any anywhere from the sixties onwards mm. that I would I would welcome a, a you know a sit down with just about any jazz musician from you know from the the era. the yeah. the thirties onwards because they like just the world that they were all living in just absolutely it's so different to where we are today yeah, yeah. that that um, would be and, that would be fascinating an unending conversation yeah we should it do would, that maybe we should do that one week one week we should. We should design well, have a the seance. Per- <laughs> perfect, the perfect rock group and the perfect jazz group. What what do you call that? Not a mega mix. When you have a, a super group, super That's group, what it is. group. Yeah, super group. group. We'll do, we'll do that. We'll make our rock super group and a jazz super group one. I've been writing songs this week. Which is a bit of a nuisance, actually. Um, it's like they're like sneezes sometimes, but they come upon you at the most inopportune moment, and then you start, and anyway, you can't finish finish them. And this week was not a good week to be writing songs, but there you are. They're just they're there in front of you, or winking out the corner of their eyes, saying, "Come on, boy, get on with it." Um, flirty little things. 
Anyway, I will write them, and I wrote one, and I foolishly uh, tried to play it last night on an o online concert um, and uh, staggered through to the end. I think it's quite a good one, actually, when I've had time to pull it all together. And then I was thinking that, you know, what am I going to do with these songs? Some of these songs are not uh, long road specials. And over the last few recording sessions, in the corners of the hours at the end of each day, I have recorded now seven songs because they're there. And a couple of times, Chris or Kev has kindly put a little bit of piano or bass or guitar on it. What they for? Somebody asked. That's a good question. Are you one of those people who start something without quite knowing why and then gradually realise that some kind of hidden impulse is driving you into it? That's probably not a bad artistic approach. I suspect something someone like David Bowie often tried. Anyway, these songs have come into existence and now I discover I've done seven. And I've got three more hanging around, waiting for next time I'm down there. And there you are, an album. I wasn't quite sure whether I intended to do an album. I don't recall this, but this, as my friends will tell you, has happened before. We once went into the studios to record an EP and left with two albums a year later. If I release this lot as an album, I'm going to call it the album Standing Stones, I think. Those big megalithic lumps you find in the earth all over Western Europe. There. Certainly there. But nobody really knows why. Arranged in a pattern in the ground. For what? Yeah, I think Standing Stones would be a great title. Anyway, the other week I was down in the studio and whilst Kev was in uh, in UK and we, we fiddled with some. I thought you might like to hear a version of it today. Now, no one's heard this before and this is not mixed. I mean, in fact, dear Stuart down in the studio would be appalled that this is going to go out uh, on the internet. He would call this a a desk mix or something like that monitor mix monitor mix that's what he'd call it meaning please don't play this in public but he's down there and i'm up here so here we go warts and all the song is sister of a dirty moon which i recently started playing again i was amused intrigued to find i'd written it in 2003 which makes it an old song. I remember at the time one reviewer kindly called it a 1960s Technicolor love story in a three and a half minute song. That'll do me. But it is, it's my attempt to capture that most evocative of feelings, a street cafe on the Mediterranean, North Africa as the scent and colours and sounds of the centuries pass you by and somewhere a man waits for a woman. He was a man with a hat on the escalator when she passed him going down 
Hello everyone and welcome once again to that fuzzy warm place called Kev's Cafe Corner. Last week you left me finally heading out of Navia after leaving my trusty staff behind and having to go back for it. It was now Monday, October the 19th and I'd walked for about two hours and stopped in La Carida to buy some fruit and I'd eaten it during my 10 minute break. All being well, today would be my last day in Asturias. I eased my rucksack back onto my shoulders and set out to find the coastal path, which doubles as the Camino. As the day progressed, I discovered the dual way that Aurelio had mentioned. Remember him? He was the guy who ran the hostel, who I'd awakened at some ungodly hour to let me back in to retrieve my staff. Although this dual way afforded me some incredible views, it was probably a mistake to take it, and certainly led to me doing far more than 33 kilometres that day. I silently cursed Aurelio, but nevertheless enjoyed strange green lagoons in the deep forest and weird modern art sculptures in the middle of nowhere, utterly surreal. I also accidentally wandered into a farm at milking time, all very cool experiences, but I was starting to suffer. I finally found a chair that was part of a modern art piece. I sat down in it and a guy took my photo. I am become art. I estimated that I'd walk for around nine and a half hours in total, a punishing schedule. I intended to eat at some point and found a cafe, but their meals were expensive, so I contented myself with a slice of tortilla. I finally crossed the Rio de Ribadeo as the night began to draw its veil across the sky. I'd completed my trek across the whole of the province of Asturias and entered Galicia accompanied by my old friends, the wind and the rain. On the maps, it was hard to tell if it was possible to cross the road bridge on foot, but there was in fact a small metal gantry that ran alongside it, the footpath being a see-through metal grating, not for the faint-hearted. When I finally arrived at the hostel, mercifully just over the bridge, I could barely stand up. Rebecca had arrived and high-fived me, but she was now without her bike. It had got us punctured and she'd given it away. At the rate she was losing stuff, she'd be walking into Santiago in a bikini. There were two French cyclists there too. Everyone else had plans to head onwards tomorrow, but I'd decided to take a rest day. I picked my bunk and began my evening routine, airing clothes, rearranging the rucksack, etc. I lay down and thought about my trek across Asturias and beyond. I don't think there's a better way to appreciate a region than to get your boots on the ground, get dirty, smell the air and marvel at its beauty as you walk through it. It's a region that will remain very special to me. In the middle of it, in the depths of my Camino, I finally found who I was after stripping away the layers and the comfort of that knowledge will serve me well for the rest of my life. Next week, out and about exploring Ribadeo and the hunt for churros. See you next time. A very quick entry. 
commentary this week, as time is against me somewhat, but my Bishop's Daily Bread this week is, once again, about bread. Praise be. Um, now, I saw an Instagram story uh, for a baker off the telly who um, who did a loaf, and I thought I'd give it a crack. Uh, so this was a tiger loaf. Um, so just a normal loaf, I think, with a crust that goes on just before baking that gives you a sort of crunchy, crispy outer layer. Uh, now, they said to use rice flour for this outer glaze. Uh, apparently, the uh, the lack of gluten is what gives you the sort of crackled effect. As the bread inside rises and stretches because of the gluten, the glaze doesn't stretch, so it cracks. The desired effect. Um, now, it turns out getting hold of rice flour in the supermarkets near me was impossible for some reason. Uh, I didn't think it would be a hassle, but uh, apparently it is. Um, so I looked on the internet. The internet said you could try corn flour. That might work instead, or that would work instead. Uh, so I tried that. Uh, it did not work. Um, it was a perfectly nice loaf. There was just nothing tiger about it. Um, it was nice and big, though. And I swear I can't see the differences sometimes between these bread recipes. You know, 500 grams of flour and 300 ml of water-ish. Um, and just sometimes they turn out much bigger than, than other ones. It's very... I don't get it. Anyway, I don't think I've got it in me to order, you know, a five kilogram bag of rice flour from the internet just to get the, the two tablespoons of, of rice flour I need to try a tiger bread again. Um, so I'll just have to keep out for the rice flour in, a, in the supermarket. Um, but don't fear, one day tiger bread will be mine. <laughs> it for this week thank you for listening wherever in the world you are don't forget to subscribe to the podcast we're on apple podcasts soundcloud spotify amazon podcasts and now youtube as well the next episode will be out next friday join us on youtube for the transatlantic connection show and become part of the transatlantic connection movement head to youtube.com slash the long road band if you fancy buying us a coffee you now can at buymeacoffee.com slash the long road band it's dead simple to just drop us a few quid to support what we do it even accepts apple pay and google pay super easy uh, all of our music and merch is on bandcamp where you can help support a positive ecosystem for the music industry download streaming vinyls cds the companion book it's all there the long road band bandcamp.com we're on patreon at patreon.com slash the vagabond way big thank you to our patreons and a special shout out to orla flynn james lyden Stuart lyden yvette lyden and trish taylor thank you for your ongoing support if you'd like to support us become a vagabonder you'll get free digital stuff and merchandise in the post if you want it help us create something different something that entertains and something that inspires others so join us on the journey and release the vagabond within patreon.com slash the vagabond way Thank you once again, brave adventurers, vagabonds and explorers, for joining us on the Vagabond Way. Remember, the world isn't beige. It's authentic, it's rich, and it's real. Embrace every last bit of it. Until next time, the journey goes ever on with The Long Road. Bye for now. Music.